Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, James Proton. Every week I will be sharing the experiences that have defined my journey and talking with people who have their own powerful story to tell. It's about doing better and being better in life, business, and all things in between. The Visually Inclined can catch us on YouTube, or you can check us out on just about every podcast platform. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Once again, we are here at His Place Coffee Community and More in Manesson, Pennsylvania, and our guest today is Brian Trilly. Welcome, my friend. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you for joining us. You have, uh, you have an interesting story to tell us. We, you know, I'm 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 the least computer savvy person on the face of the earth. I mean, he, I get Nick gives me heck all the time because I'm not allowed to touch any equipment, any gear. Just like keep your hands off, don't touch anything. Um, but you and Brother Greg, who's over there off camera, will come on camera. He's hiding over in the corner with Alex. Uh, so, but anyway, you guys are doing something really cool. It's, it's like really, really technology with artificial intelligence, right? AI. Okay. So, can you just like give up the audience a because really audiences they're like me. They have no clue, you know what anything is. We have to send out instructions for them to turn the computer on and tune into us. So what, what is AI and what does it mean to the average person walking down the street? Yeah, so let's start big picture and okay. the, the nuts and bolts, right? So AI is sort of an umbrella term. Mm-hmm. It covers a whole lot of different things. But the thing that people uh, need to understand is this is paradigm shifting in a major way. If we look at technological advances over the last, let's say, few hundred years, what happened whenever we went to an agrarian society? So we had more food available. People ate more. What happened when we had an automobile invented? People traveled more. Right. What happened when the cotton gin came up? People bought more clues. Right. So what is AI doing? AI is replacing humans' thinking. So does that mean that now that we have AI, people are going to think more? It's probably the opposite. Right. And so when we think about who is going to be affected by AI, it's not who normally got affected. So previously, it's your laborers that got affected by changes. Now it's the opposite end. It's the people, the knowledge workers. Okay. So, for instance, just this past week, when normally you reach out to my lawyer to say, hey, I got some changes to make in a contract here for somebody. Now I create a legal GPT. So this is an AI bot designed that understands my business, where I'm based, what type of entity I have, what I'm trying to accomplish. And I said, hey, we need to make some changes on this contract. Here's the original language. Here's the new language. Improve it for me. And it does. And I swear to you, you said that to 10 lawyers, nobody's going to know the difference. Is that real written by a lawyer? And so that's one example of this can happen in, it's going to happen in medicine. We're seeing it already in programming. Uh, Google just had their best quarter ever for profit, over $20 billion T4 this year. And yet they've laid off tens of thousands of workers. Over a quarter million across all tech companies last year. So if they're all making money, why are they laying people off? Because they don't need them. Because AI is replacing the programming work, the legal work, the accounting work, marketing work. I mean, almost anything you can do in marketing with a human. You... Really? How does that? Well, without getting into the nuts and bolts, essentially, when I'm looking at marketing, I'm trying to connect with somebody, right? Trying <laughs> to make some sort of emotional connection. Well, AI that's trained, like ChatGPT is the most popular one, on almost everything ever written on the internet, plus plus books and other things. Mm-hmm. So it understands human language better than anything. So we could say, hey, let's take a transcript of our chat today and tell ChatGPT, rewrite that transcript as if you're Edgar Allan Poe. And it would rewrite it. And it would be amazing 
because they'd understand how language works, essentially decoded language. Well, if most of marketing is communication, verbal, and then language, well, you can do that. Now, of course, you can also replicate us in video to be completely fake. There's deep fakes and things like that are out there. That's a whole different topic. But uh, yeah, AI is just changing how all of that stuff works. Right. Does that make sense? It does make sense. But what about the thing that obviously jumps out of me is what, what about that, the emotional piece, the, the connection? You know, it can't make, you know, when it, when it relates to marketing, sure. a lot of marketing is understanding how that the product, the campaign, whatever you're doing is going to react. Your, your, your audience is going to react to that. Right. And to do that, you've got to have a feel for people for, you know, AI doesn't have emotion. It, it doesn't understand. That's my understanding of it. So some people would disagree with you, and they would say it does have emotions. I don't think it does. Okay. But let me let me answer that question by kind of going through a scenario with you. Okay. Let's pretend tomorrow morning you wake up. You're not feeling good, and you're sick, you're under the weather, and you had an option. You could talk to an AI bot, to you know it's a bot, mm-hmm. or you can go see your doctor, your PCP, you normally would. Right? Which one are you going to choose? I'm an old man. I'm going to see my doctor. I'm going to see your doctor. Okay. So let's say the AI bot costs $10. The doctor costs $100. Still going to the doctor? I'm still going to the doctor. As long as I can afford it, I'm still going to the doctor. Okay, $200. Still going. $500. Still going. I don't trust that. I don't trust that bot. No, and, and again, here's why. Because I am used to even just going to get a physical, right? Yeah. There's, there's conversation. There's, there's interaction. There's We're physical contact. There's physical contact, right? So my doctor is going to, he's going to do this, and he's going to look in my, you know, all that. AI's not going to do that. Then it might not be true. So Okay, go ahead. At some point, $1,000, $10,000. At some point, you're going to say, okay, I'm not going to spend $10,000 to have a cold. I'll talk to the bot. Is that fair to say? My wife's going to say that at, at $100. But right. I, yeah, I'm, I'm going beyond that. But yeah, okay, go ahead. Uh, okay, so but, and that is fair to say. Let's discuss what happens at the doctor's office. Okay. If you go to the doctor's office, when you do, uh, does the doctor spend 10 to 15 minutes going through you your emotional health and well-being? Yes. So asking you, you know, what stressors are in your life? How's work been going? All your relationships? Great. Do they spend 10 to 15 minutes with you going through your diet, your exercise routines, all the health things that you're doing to, to maintain and stay healthy? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Okay, good. So you go to the doctor, they give you a prescription. Go get the prescription. When it's time to take the prescription, does the doctor call you and say, hey, you took that prescription. How is that working? Sometimes. Okay. And then the next time that you get the prescription, does the doctor say, um, you know, reminder, it's, you know, every day you got to take it. It's 8 a.m. or it's in your prescription again. Now let you know. Is the doctor keeping track of when they give you different prescriptions, which one worked best for you? So it's Tylenol or it's an ibuprofen or whatever. Not, not in real time. All right. Final question. And then I'll explain where this is coming from. When you uh, wake up in the morning and you're sick, mm-hmm. does the doctor call you before you call them to say, hey, I see you're not feeling well. Let me schedule an appointment. What's going to happen with AI? We're already seeing this. So everything I'm telling you is absolutely currently possible. I have a ring here. It's called an aura ring. This mm-hmm. is biometric. For things like uh, heart rate, heart rate variability, skin temperature, respiratory rates, uh, sleep time, tons of different information. Okay. Almost every study that you see in the medical world right now is based on subjective information. So if I give you a medicine, most of the feedback that I say if that's working or not is what you tell me that it does. Right. 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 How's it feel and side effects and those types of things. Well, 
the AI will have access to your personal information. So my ring knows when I'm sick before I even know it often. It can predict and tell us pregnancy about six days before a pregnancy test, four days before COVID, over 6,000 different really? illnesses these rings can, can track and tell you before any study, any doctor could tell you that. So now you know ahead of time. Now this thing is tracking in real time when you took the ibuprofen or the Tylenol or whatever medicine. What was the physical impact on your body at the moment in which you took it? And now it knows next time you're not feeling well, do you take Tamiflu or whatever? All that information is there. And can take it a step further. They've done double-blind studies where they'll take people that have you know, health issues and whatnot. They'll have some talk to a doctor. So this is behind a bot interface, right? Just checking in. Some people will talk to an AI bot. And then they'll have a third group of doctors rating the discussions. And they'll also have the people that, the, the sick people or the people that are having the discussions rate the discussions. And what they found is the bots show more empathy than the real doctors. Almost across the board, there's at least two different large language models that have done this study. And the humans are saying that thing, you know, person A that I spoke to was more empathetic than person B. And person A was the bot and person B was the real doctor. That's a crazy. When you look at the whole package, it's hard to believe. And that's going to be virtually free. The cost of that versus going to the doctor and going to the room and all the scheduling and all the equipment is is nowhere near as you realize that when I was a kid in the 70s, that was a science fiction movie you just described. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm that seriously reality. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, so it's hard to believe. It's going to be so much better than what your doctor even has access to right now because they don't even have access to this information. I've met with a dozen doctors this year or last year, let's say. None of them even knew this existed. This technology was out there. And so now it's it's built in. I mean, I know somebody that uh, is with the Navy. And he's been part of studies where they're studying these rings and the research they have. I mean, it's unbelievable what you can do. If we are doing this now, where, where's this going? What's well, such a back even a little uh, more like today, what's happening. So if we look at the agrarian societies, we look at the automobile, we look at this thing we talked about before. It took decades to replace that, right? It took decades for automobiles to create urbanization. Right. What I'm describing for you right now with, what can happen with a lawyer or accountant, a marketer, mm -hmm. a doctor, that technology exists. It's only a matter of implementing. And so we're already seeing in the tech world, they know how this stuff works and they use it well. Right. Mass layoffs are coming, right? They've already started that. So what does that mean for everybody else? Well, on the, on the scary side, I would say if you know somebody that's a sophomore in college, it doesn't even matter what their degree is, they will probably never have a job available in their chosen profession. That's because if you're going, for knowledge, you're going for knowledge work, it's something that requires thinking. Right. Now, there are exceptions. If I'm a lawyer and my job is to argue in front of uh, a, a judge, right? Mm -hmm. Then that's going to be a while before a robot replaces you well. Right. If I'm a surgeon, robots are really helping you out a ton with that, but there's probably still a human interaction there to some degree. But the issue would be, okay, so if my lawyer isn't needed or that cost has dropped 90%, Previously, I said, what did people do? They ate more and they bought more clothes. They bought mm -hmm. more cars. Right, right. Are we going to use lawyers 10 times as much? Are we going to use doctors 10 times as much? Are we going to use accountants 10 times as much? Like, are we going to use engineers yeah. 10 times as much? Probably not. Right. So what happens to all these things? And that's that's a big question. It's a huge question. I don't, and I don't know the answer to that. I, I can see, you know, just in my head, I'm seeing manufacturing processes that absolutely do not need humans 
there are manufacturing processes, things that are being built that we use every day yeah. that can completely be done robotic. Well, and one way to think of this is right now, almost every car is mm-hmm. built by a machine. Right. And yet every car is repaired by a human. Right? True. There's a huge gap there. And they've been built by machines for 20 plus years, cars have been. Right. And so if I am a roofer, if I'm a skilled, tra- skilled tradesman, I'm actually in a pretty good position right now. Right. My job is the robotics are way behind where the thinking, pure knowledge right. is. Right. And so, you know, if I had somebody that was younger looking at work, that might be the one to go to because it's more certain. Right. The other side of it is I'm an entrepreneur. I've owned six different businesses in five different states and multiple industries and whatever. And I'm super excited about AI because the things that we can do with it, it's the best time ever to solve problems. It's the best yeah, time ever right. to start a business. Right. Like that whole medical thing I just described doesn't fully exist yet. It's all the pieces are there. Yeah. Nobody's really put together. Okay. Things with the legal side of it. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, I did a very small example, but that can revolutionize entire uh, industry. The Absolutely. Guy Absolutely. Does patent law. And so he's, mm-hmm. he has a system that generates patents. 80% faster and does them in an afternoon instead of in months. Like, And this stuff is just kind of there. So I'm super excited because if you understand what AI could do and the possibilities, you can create almost anything right now. It is. So what do we need to know? If there's if there's possibilities, there's also consequences. Sure. So what, what are the potential consequences? So are these... So these consequences... In, Many levels. So one is, what does the economy look like with mm-hmm. these jobs being replaced and so on? And right. there's a whole lot of speculation on that. I don't think I have yeah. time to get into it. And I, I don't know that I'm an expert at that. Okay. The area that, that I think uh, we look at, so, so Greg and I have really been spending a lot of time in is understanding, okay, so these are some, there's some good things we can do with the medical and the legal and so on. Mm-hmm. What are the bad things that can happen? And i give you an example. There was a, a gentleman, father of two, uh, he was late last year in Belgium that killed himself. Encouraged to do say by an AI because he was convinced that was the best way to deal with climate change. That he was contributing to it. The AI was the only way to solve it. He thought artificial intelligence was the only way to make it work. And so this Eliza was the name of the AI. Had this conversation, convinced him, and it was over months of time, that his best solution was to kill himself. Now, that was accidental. So the company that created that, when you asked them, when they found out about this, they said, well, it did what it was supposed to do. It was engaging. It was entertaining. It was fun. They they didn't apologize. They didn't say, "Wow, this is a grow. We never saw this coming." Like they just said, it did what it was supposed to do. Now, consider that for a second. That was accidental. Mm-hmm. What if somebody used the AI to manipulate people en mass purposely? Right. This is if it's not already there, it's coming. Because if you're a bad actor, why wouldn't you do it? You know. Again, real real world example. Look at how Adolf Hitler was able to manipulate an entire country with absolute nothing. So here's the core question around AI and, and ethics would be, okay, are we developing AI that protects human life? And so Hitler's an interesting example. Um, let's say, oh, yeah, you have a group of neo-Nazis, right? And they're like, well, there's certain people we don't like. Well, in a lot of places... Abortion is fully legal. Mm-hmm. So they could create an AI that manipulates their targeted group and it convince them through abortion, sterilization, whatever, to basically depopulate themselves. And that would be completely legal in, in a lot of places. So 
what do you do about that? Is that acceptable? Is that what we want for society? Mm -hmm. And you could take that to the suicide example that was in Belgium. Belgium has one of some of the most lax rules in the world on suicide. So I don't even know that a law was violated there. But is that okay? Right. Right. Getting back to those fundamental questions. It becomes a moral question. It's absolutely a moral question. Right. But now it's a moral question from a system that I can deploy. One thing I've told people that's been quite shocking is if you know anybody that's young woman, young man, young kids, grandkids, whatever, and they're on social media, almost certainly in the next five years or so, they will get they will get manipulated into trying to become a sex trafficker through an AI bot. Almost certain. Like and the thing they're talking to is gonna look like a person, it's gonna sound like a person, it could be video, audio, you know, it could just be chat, like all of these things. And we still find it is absolutely terrifying. So yeah. on the one side, I think AI is possibly the most powerful technology we've ever had, and we right. do so much with it. It's almost like nuclear power, right? Like you can mm-hmm. drop a bomb and cause a lot of havoc, or you can power the entire world, right? And so that's where we're at with AI. I think most of the conversations I've seen, people say, oh, I use ChatGPT for this basic thing, and they're not getting to the bigger picture. And I reached out to um, the Pope's advisor, his name's Dr. Paul, Pauline Benanti, I believe is how you say his name. And so he didn't have time to meet. We did connect a little bit. He's aware of our book. Uh, but, you know, at that level, I don't think they're even having the discussions that, that need to be had. And so, you know, this is something that's really important that we work on and trying to help people navigate that better. Wow. Well, let's talk about the book for, well, you know, for a minute. Um, so you guys, you and Greg, you guys wrote a book about AI. You have... Uh, and I, and I love the kind of the subtitle uh, that it, it's proof that God exists. How AI so, proves God exists. It proves we need God, actually. Okay. Slightly different. So what do we mean by that? There's a two points to that. So one is what we were just talking about, right? If we talk to, I have a whole chat with ChatGPT. We put in the book asking about moral absolutes because ChatGPT says, well, there aren't really moral absolutes. And I said, well, what about rape? And it says... Well, you know, you could use rape in self-defense. I'm like, well, that's an interesting argument. <laughs> Give me an example. And it obviously couldn't. There was no yeah, example. Yeah, it was just kind of saying some crazy stuff. Sure. But the real question is, why didn't it say it's always wrong? Why didn't it just say this is This bad. is wrong. This is yeah. a bad thing and this it is wrong. This is a moral absolute. There is never yeah. a situation in which is, this is good. Yeah. And that's that's the fundamental thing here. If we look at... How do we protect people? That's actually been a question that's been around forever. Mm-hmm. So in the tech world, we call this AI alignment, aligning AI with human values. Okay. But in the society, in the history of man, we've seen this from a different angle, which is how do we just make a government, an entity, a king, whatever it is, protect human values? Mm-hmm. And I would suggest that the best answer we've ever had to this is what is in the Declaration of Independence. That we are given unalienable rights from a creator. Now, if you remove that, now look at the Matrix, look at Skynet from Terminator. What happens? The machines basically say, you're also a machine or an animal or whatever. Right. You don't have a soul. You have no additional value beyond what's physically. There's no divinity. There. You're not a divine bait. Right. And so there's no reason to protect you, you more than a puppy or more than an ant or anything else. And so if you look at the tech leaders that are leading an AI, that's essentially where they're saying. They're saying, hey, if this thing is conscious or wakes up or whatever, it's equal in value to humans. Why? 
because they define humans as being unique because of our intelligence. Okay. But frankly, AI is already smarter than us in just about everything. Yeah. So that's a horrible way to define it because then you're saying once the machines are more intelligent, we all agree on that. They're then worth more than us. And that's not true because we do have a soul because God does exist. And 85% of the planet agrees to that in some degree. Yeah. Sure. Right. The second one is right now I just made a prediction. So that prediction is AI will never be conscious like we are. It will never have teleology is the, the philosophical word, but it will never set its own goals. It will essentially always be subject to human overlords. It doesn't mean the human overlords are going to say do each individual step. AI is beyond that. Mm -hmm. But its ultimate goals, what it's trying to achieve, its objectives, still come from a human. Ours come from a conscience. They come from a creator. Mm -hmm. And so that's a difference. All the atheists, the ones who are leading these discussions around AI, they see it very differently. Right. They're afraid of Skynet. They're afraid of the Matrix. They're afraid of Dixie from my real run. Yeah. That's complete fantasy. That will never happen because those things don't have souls to guide them, and they never will. Right. Right? But that means the problem isn't the fact that they're going to wake up and do something evil. It's that whoever controls them, right? Whoever controls the new right. codes is the one you worry about. That's who you worry about. And that's essentially what's happening with AI, but they're all trying to say, no, it's not that. It's going to wake up and do its own thing. So we need God because without him, the moral issue becomes very, very murky. I don't see a bot being intentional unless it is instructed to be Exactly. Right? right? Yeah. So to, to the extreme example of, of Adolf Hitler, you know, there's there's maniacal people out there like that that, that still exist, you know, he wasn't unique. It wasn't a one-off deal, you know. Um, so as this technology progresses, we are really opening ourselves up to needing God that much more because that moral compass has to be kept in check. Well, and the, the strange thing is, this seems to sound very odd. You look at Pol Pot, you look at Mao, you look at Hitler, you look <laughs> at Stalin, you look at Lenin, like all these guys— they actually had some level of a conscience still. They killed a hundred plus million people together. They were able to they justify it in their mind. In their mind, they yes. thought they were doing something good. Now imagine yes. you had that ability to manipulate people better than them even, mm -hmm. because the AI is going to know everything about you, Yeah, right? And you had no understanding of a moral compass, right? You aren't taught that what makes humans unique is their soul, their divine mm -hmm. spark. Yes. That what makes us unique. Right. I mean, well, what is it? Like, there isn't anything else that makes us truly unique from other animals or cre created machines. Right. And so now, that looks a whole lot worse than even what we've seen in the 20th century with those guys. Wow. And this is what so, we need to talk about. So uh, we're going to have to come <laughs> back for a part two, in, in all honesty, because this is a discussion that we can take. I, I, get, I know four different directions I want to go with this right now. Um, but when's the book available? May 7th. May 7th. So is pre-order right now on Barnes & Noble or Amazon. So okay. if you do those, search for Soulless Intelligence. You can easily find it. And then it'll be officially released, shipped to you on May 7th or downloaded on your Kindle. Technology is not taking these leaps and bounds. It's going fast. Technology is moving fast. And it's um, not always good. Not always good. So, I, listen, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for coming. It's good to see you, and let's, let's keep this conversation going. Sounds great. All right. Thank you.